from loss to life. your story. Beauty instead of ashes. Joy instead of mourning. Praise instead of despair. Come tell us your story. We all go through loss in life. But how do you come from loss to life? From loss to life. From loss to life. Hi, everyone. We are here with From Loss to Life Ministries. Welcome to our podcast, which serves as a platform to embrace moments of loss through storytelling while also sharing our life experiences so we can all learn how to go from loss to a fulfilled life no matter what. From Lost in Life Ministries is founded on the biblical word found in Isaiah 61, one through three. In verse three, the Bible says, and provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of despair. This is the ultimate intent we hope for our listeners. This episode, hosted by From Lost to Life co-founders Dominic and Kelly Gully, features Timothy Gully and Lars Rasco. Timothy is a single dad who decided to become a parent by adopting a son, who at the time was eight years old and had been in five different foster care homes. Timothy will share his story of why he chose to adopt over fostering and to adopt as a single parent. Lars Rasco is the founder of Boys to Men, Inc., which is an Indianapolis-based nonprofit organization that seeks to cultivate the development of adolescent boys in a safe and exciting team environment by promoting civic engagement, personal responsibility, positive relationships, respect for women, and a lifelong appreciation for learning. Dr. Lars will share insights about why he does this work with boys and young men and highlight some of the key challenges that we should all be aware of as we parent, mentor, and serve as the village where young men and young women are growing up in today's society. As we learn about the foster care and adoption systems through this episode, remember that children are our future and having a loving and caring home for children in crisis is extremely important to the welfare of the child. Keep listening to hear how Timothy and Lars have worked tirelessly so that children in their care or journeying from loss to life. The neat thing that we're doing is talking with both of you, and I would love to hear your story of becoming an adoptive parent for you, Timothy, becoming a mentor and working with young men for you, Lars, and how did you become interested in it and what made you go for it? And so I'm going to start with Timothy first as it relates to becoming a dad. Where did it start? 
Okay. Um, it's something that I've always wanted to do. I've always mm -hmm. wanted to be a dad. Even earlier in my earlier years, I can remember as a kid, my brothers and I would have conversations like, I want my kids to play with your kids and we're going to come together and do these things and do that things. Well, lo and behold, I waited later on in life to have a child. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, my nieces and nephew were pretty much grown by the time I got Jeremy. It was something I wanted to do. And I know that there were a lot of kids out there that needed support, guidance, and a parent figure. And for selfish reasons of my own, it was to provide a legacy as well for myself. That's just something I wanted to provide. So when I'm long gone, I wanted to continue the legacy that I instill and provide in Jeremy. So that's how it all got started. Then nice. once I determined that's what I wanted to do, I sat down with a group of my friends because I knew that I would need support. There was no way I could do it by myself because being a single man and I work every day, I would have to have some type of support system in place to get this process started. I, I asked them if they would support me in that journey and they all agreed and lo and behold, my son is eight, uh, he'd be 18 next month and we've been pushing forward ever since. How old was he when, when you guys were united? He was eight. He was eight, so it's been 10 years now. <laughs> yes, wow. yes, he yeah. will be 18 on the 14th. And are you <clears> gonna <throat> do it again when he graduates from high school? No, I'm not. Um, there's just no way that I can. Uh, I'm a lot older now, <laughs> so um, I'm on this downslope journey, what you call it, in terms of retirement. So retirement mm. can happen for me in the next three years. Mm, so nice. I want to travel the world, so and raise grandbabies and stuff. So oh, oh yes, oh yes, I know something about that. <laughs> <laughs> so Lars, talk to us about boys to men. When I met you, I think I first learned about boys to men. Oh gosh, back in the early '90s or so. Um, what, what happened there? Why did you start that? Where did that come from? Um, being a mentor with Boys to Men has been a, a God-given passion for the last 25 years. Um, I did not have formal training, uh, but took the skills and the best practices in education and Christianity uh, to develop this program. There was just a huge need in the middle school frame of education young people were losing their dreams in middle school. Just the passion that God just placed over me, um, mm -hmm. just took formal education and Christianity and kind of pulled it together. Um, DCS, Indiana Department of Child Services and foster care, that really became the sustainability plan for finances uh, mm -hmm. for the program so that we could do what we do with our young people at no cost. Mm -hmm. So I just say it's God given. So when you when you say DCS became the, the what does that mean? The financial stability. What does that mean? Break that down. For uh, when we first started the program, the mentors that were working already had jobs. We were educators, so we were getting paid, and so we were more or less just volunteering our time. As the program grew and got bigger. And then we started working with foster kids or kids on probation or the Department of Child Services. Uh, we found that that would sustain us financially so that the program would continue to grow. 
the number of kids that were participating as that group, we still didn't have to pay any, they didn't have to pay anything to participate. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So sustainability. That's excellent. And so I wanna, I'm gonna go to another question as it relates to challenges. So, you know, you can have a desire, like you talked about, Tim, you can have a, you know, there's many of us that have a God-given call and we never move forward, right? We just, one day, we hear that one day, one day. So what, what were some of the key challenges, Timothy, that you faced in the beginning? And did you ever want to give up? Did you ever want to say, I can't do this? No, I never wanted to say that. Never. I start off by saying that. Never. No. And if I had the opportunity to do it all over again, I would do it five times. Wow. But some of the challenges is time management was key. It's it's very key. It's it's just very key. Time management is very key. And being a, a, a single person for the majority part of my life, you just learn to do things by yourself. Now mm -hmm. I have this little person that I'm now responsible for. So mm -hmm. uh, it was very scary at first because I'm like, okay, he's in the car with me. Um, I had to make sure I drive like I got some sense. I have to cook every day. I have to prepare healthy meals and things of that nature. I, I would have to say time management was one of the most important things for me, mm -hmm. um, learning how to manage my time and, and being organized because mm -hmm. that little person relies solely on you for their daily needs. And he was school age as well. So you had to deal with the aspects of school and doing homework and all that kind of stuff. So yes, time management was key. Just, yeah. I yeah. can't stress it enough. So, so if there were, if somebody is listening right now and they're considering this adoption thing and they've, they've felt that, like they perked up when they heard you say, this is something I've always wanted to do. What were some of the, like the practical steps that you had to go through to become a single dad, an, an adoptive parent? What were some, what are some of the things that they will have to embark upon before they get access to that young person? I think in the beginning, you had to go to a informational session through the, the, the state in which you live. So even though I live in Maryland, I went to DC. Mm -hmm because DC has an agreement with Maryland to uh, foster and adopt their children. You go through an informational session and they provide you with all this information that you would need to make a determination as to whether or not you want to move forward. Mm -hmm. Once you decide to move forward, you have to take 10 classes and then what they call them parenting classes. Mm -hmm. And especially parenting classes with children that have been in care. So mm. there are different challenges and things that they look at saying, this is what you might experience if you had get one of our children. And being that my son was eight at the time, he was considered an older kid because most yeah. children eight or older, they really aren't adopted in that way. But there are, <laughs> they do, but most people want the babies and the mm -hmm. younger children. And so once you go through the 10 classes and you pass the class, you then become certified. Okay. Once certified, you have to get an in-home study done. The state will, the state or county will send out a representative to your house and they will go through your home to make sure that it's safe and it's accommodating and you have all the proper tools necessary for mm -hmm. that child. And once you do that, 
then you then get put on a list in terms of which you can adopt, well, which you can foster. So I did foster to adopt because you just can't adopt here unless you go through a private agency. If you're going through one of the county or uh, state agencies, mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. have to foster first and then you can adopt. And going through that process, there's a set of social workers that you get that will come out and, and visit with you once a month and all that kind of great things. So once you get your home study done and become certified, you go through the matching process that matches you to the child to see what type of behaviors, what type of uh, characteristics of the child that meets your qualification. And it's a that's a long process. And then once you once you go through that process, they identify children for you to look at. And once they identify the child, you can meet with the child, you can observe the child and things of that nature. Yeah. If you identify a child, then they will hold an, an in-depth meeting with you in terms of why this child became into care mm. or why this child came into care. And they will give you a list of everything that went on. At that point, you make the determination as to whether or not you want to move forward. If you decide to move forward, they introduce you to the child mm -hmm. with a social worker there. You see how well you click. If the clicking is great, normally you go on visits to zoos and parks and play dates and things of that nature with the child, just so that the child can become familiar with you. Mm -hmm. And after they become familiar with you, the agency will say, are you ready? And if you're ready, we will now place this child in your care for an overnight visit. Nice. Once you get through the overnight visit, you may do that a couple of times. And if that works well, they will place the child in your care. Once the child is placed in your care for a foster, here in this area, you have to foster for at least six months before you can petition the court to adopt. I've heard of some bad stories mm -hmm. in which people have gone through. I haven't experienced any of those things. Not mm -hmm. once, not, mm -hmm. a, not an issue or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And I've been blessed and fortunate that I've gotten the best kid in the whole wide world. <laughs> and, and, then, and just just real quick, start to finish, how much time from what you told us in the beginning when you said yes? And how much time? That normally takes about a year. Okay. Mine took six months. Oh, you were motivated. <laughs> no, my situation was good. Okay. And there was no reason for them to pull back. You know, mm -hmm. they didn't see any identifiable mm -hmm. things that say, oh, well, this is a concern for us or anything like that. He you know, bonded it, it, with me. It's really <laughs> awesome. And I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm moving over to you now, Lars, because when you think about Timothy with one and you've served hundreds <laughs> of young men, right? And so same question, what are some of the key challenges when you are, the surrogate dad, they're not in your care fostering, even though I know your, your son fosters and just recently adopted, congratulations, you have a new grandson. <laughs> 
So talk a little bit about the challenges that you face and did you ever want to give up on, on Boys to Men? So I've never wanted to give up. It, it's been a passion and, and God has really worked things out so that we can continue to do this. But the two challenges um, that are still difficult to work through is one after spending some of that time while the adults are trying to connect with the youth, we are the providers. And so we will go in and spend time with these young people, help them develop strategies of success and how to relate to the individuals that are trying to be a part of their lives. In some cases where these are difficult environments, we have to send the kid right back into that environment. So that's very difficult. When Timothy was talking about some of the social workers that might be there or helping the young person through, that's what Boys to Men does. Yeah, for that's families. one of the agencies. Okay, yeah. gotcha. Keep going, keep going. Um, so you've got therapists, you've got behavioral therapists, you've got mentors, you've got tutors. Um, all these individuals are disrupting uh, Mr. Gully's home while this is going on and the state is trying to make sure that his relationship with this kid is going to continue even past 18 years old, you know? Mm. So for us- Can I jump in and say something? Yes, yes. I hated it. I absolutely <laughs> hated it because it seems like they were being intrusive and they were mm. always there, but you know, they were just trying to make sure that I was good and he was good. More so he was good. Yeah. Our, yeah. our mentors, we go in and we tell the adult, we're working for them with the kid. And that changes the whole dynamic. The second thing that is even more difficult is that the more we do as adults and mentors, the less the families do, the less oh. the parents do. A lot of times we're taking the kid out, young person out, and we're doing these activities. Um, we may be going like today to the Colts game. The parents may get frustrated with that because we're doing more than they might be able to do. Mm -hmm. And so there's a disruption in that, even though we're trying to build that relationship with the two of them so they can continue to move forward. Yeah, but and how do you deal with that? How do you broker that? What is the conversation that you have with a parent who says, you taking my son to a game? I ain't even ever been to a game. What, what is that? How do, you, how do you deal with that? So again, our position is that we're here to serve. How can our providers, how can the agency um, help bring resources to you so that you have that opportunity? It mm. could be more training. It could be better job opportunities. I mean, it, it really depends. And that's what the caseworker's job is supposed to be. But mm. these individuals are so overwhelmed that it's very difficult for them to mm -hmm. you know, be able to do that, especially in a timely manner. He said six months. My son just adopting their now son, my grandson, hey, hey, um, he started at three and a half years old and he's now eight. Oh, wow. You know, so it's very specific to what that situation is, yeah. you know, and yeah. bless you, Mr. Gully, that it only took six months. We don't see change with the mentoring piece for 18 months. Mm -hmm. you know? mm -hmm. So it, it really just depends on the, on the circumstances. So, so Lars, you just mentioned change. Um, tell me a story. Tell us a story. Help our listeners hear a story of triumph of one of your young people or a group of your young people that you've worked with. 
it's, it's not all doom and gloom. You know what I mean? It, there, there's some, tell us a from lost a life story. <laughs> um, so we've had situations uh, where the, the biological parent doesn't want to have anything to do with uh, the young person. This could be moms, this, this could be dads. We have set up situations where we have discussion on, on how the individual can even learn from these difficult circumstances mm -hmm. and, and build on it. We, we've talked about not taking the chip off your shoulder. Everybody says that that is, you know, some kind of negative attitude. Well, instead of taking that chip off your shoulder, keep it on the shoulder and learn how to use that as fuel to say, mm -hmm. I want something different. My parent wasn't there. My dad wasn't there. He showed me what a dad is not supposed to be. Um, my, my, my parent didn't go out and get the job that she needed. Well, now I'm learning that if I get my education and I get full focus, I can do much better. You know, so sometimes we have to help the, the young person look at their situation and see it as what it is and it's character development. Mm -hmm. It's trying to grow. Um, it's looking at every circumstance as God-given, and it helps us to go to that next level. So from loss, you've had these difficult things happen, but if you take the right attitude and start moving forward, you can turn it into life. Mm -hmm. That's good. Timothy, what about you? Tell us a story of going from loss to life since you've been a dad for the last 10 years. Well, I, I think every day is a triumph for me. Um, I can remember in the beginning, well, this this might be a little long, and I don't mean for it to be a little long, but it's very point <laughs> that at the moment that Jeremy decided to call me dad, mm -hmm. and he told me when he would do it, and he did it. So he was calling me dad, and Jeremy has two siblings that were also in care that chose not to be adopted. They decided to stay into the system. And I did my best to try to keep the communication with them going as the years gone by. But in the beginning, um, he was on the phone with one of them and one of his siblings said, don't call him dad, he's not your father. And I heard it and I was like, what did he say? And I went into the room and I got the phone and I talked to his brother, then Jeremy started crying and after the whole incident, he later apologized because he thought he was losing his brother to some strange man. And we continued the dialogue and we are the best today because they can see that I have his interests at heart. And I would, and I think what I told him at the time that I would do, never do anything that will hurt your brother. I wanted to make sure that he's well taken care of and provided for. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. sure, there, there were bumps along the way, but now we stand at a point to where we're all good with both of his siblings. So it, mm. it's- That it, is going it, from lost to life. That is, yes. that's a blessing. That's a blessing. I think um, our success is when we have some of those young men that have been in the program, when they come back and they tell us they are great dads, that they're in their child's lives, you know? They want to thank us for what we did with them and for them, you know, whatever that little amount of time is, but they are great dads. They're doing what they're destined to do. 
that's yeah. when you know you have a real positive impact. Yeah, and 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 um, the uh, bars. When I think about that, that means you've been around long enough <laughs> for them to go from middle school to becoming dads, yeah. <laughs> right? True. So yeah. so it takes time, right? It this doesn't happen overnight, right? That's right. Hmm. Any situation when you think about you know, Lars, I know that you're a dad and grandpa of two now, right? Um, grandpa of two, dad of two. Um, what are some, what are some wisdom nuggets that you give your kids that you will give, you have two grandsons now, that you'll give your grandsons or that you give these surrogate young people um, um, that, that you impact in your life? What are some words of wisdom that you would have for our listeners, for those dads that are out there in situations yeah. that are challenging? Number one would be grow where you're planted. Mm -hmm. um, another one would be you're important because your fingerprint is unique and, and nobody can impact the world like you can because there's only one you. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Everything that you're going through is character development. Uh, like I said earlier, keep that chip on your shoulder and, and use it for positive fuel, you know, to be a blessing to someone else. Because um, we got a lot of young people coming behind. Um, mm -hmm. This mentoring thing is important. Everybody can be a mentor. You just simply have to find those individuals that are, are going through the things that you've gone through. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. These young kids, all they really want is time. That's really what they're yeah. after. Yeah. 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 That's good. What about you, Tim? What are some words of wisdom, some insights, some things that you talked about legacy before? What does that legacy look like in your son and in his family as he grows older? Um, God-fearing. Mm -hmm. Always putting God first. We had a conversation like that today when I was listening to church this morning because we're not back at church yet. Yeah. Um, that there is nothing that you could ever do that would make me be disappointed in you. Mm -hmm. Now, I might not like what you chose to do, but I will always be there for you. And I don't want you to think that I'm never not there to support you in what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And to be patient. That's one of the, that's, you know, I never had a lot of patience. When I wanted something, I wanted it now, <laughs> but he's taught me how to be patient and to listen, mm -hmm. actively listen. Mm -hmm. What is, I'm going to go deeper there. What does listening look like from a parent <laughs> to a teenage young man? What I was going to say, like? well, what age do you want me to choose? <laughs> because it's, it's, it's different at every, every level. Yeah. Uh, not talking over an individual, mm. uh, allowing that, allowing the young person to be heard, mm -hmm. to voice their concern or opinion and not be afraid to, and to, mm -hmm. to, to really understand what they're trying to communicate. I know that kids use all these slangs and, and terminologies that I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not that old, I don't think, but I just don't understand some of it. And I had to understand like, well, what are you saying? You know, because remember, I'm not your friend. Uh, talk to me as your parent, as your son to parent, you know? 
I just mm -hmm. needed to understand what you're talking about and understand what you're feeling. So yeah, yeah, yeah. The, that listening piece is probably the greatest piece that I could put out there because mm -hmm. I was guilty of not listening because remember I'm older. So I come from the era. This is how it's going to be. You do as I say. That's right. It's not like that today. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I call Ours. it a, a contributory relationship. Oh, nice. You know, mm -hmm. um, you can contribute. But again, I do have the final say, but I do need to know where you're coming from. Mm -hmm. That sparked so something that, for you, Lars. You were going to add. And, and listening is not belittling them, like telling correct. them that their situation is not serious. Uh, examples, uh, you don't know what hard is. I got all these bills to pay and all that kind of stuff. Comparing an adult situation to a kid's situation is not listening. The kids are going through major things. And what they're going through is extremely important to them. And you have to just let them speak on it and understand what they're talking about. You know, they're not going to get the wisdom of life, you know, right then. It's going to take, as Mr. Gully said, it's going to take time. But being inside the high school like I am right now, yeah, they are going through some crazy stuff. Yeah. High school yeah. is crazy. And you add COVID to that, the young people really haven't, the young people are like 18 months behind hmm. where they should be. That also means psychological. So, so when you say 18 months behind where they should be, you're talking about educationally, socially, psychologically, yeah. like all, all of it. All hmm. of it. They might be freshmen, but they're acting like seventh graders because that's where they are. And we're trying to push them forward and get them ready for 10th grade, 11th grade, graduation. This stuff is difficult. Wow. Yes. Jeremy says it all the time. I'm not ready to grow up. He's just mm -hmm. not ready. Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, it saddens me because, you know, we couldn't wait to get out. That's right. And experience the world. But, and I think part of it might be because there, we provide so much for our children these days and we don't we don't allow them to experience uh difficulties mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um i try to do that but i can be a helicopter dad at times mm -hmm. and, and i and I'm, I'm trying to back off because he's he's going to be 18 and he's going to be out of high school so yeah i can't hover all the time you mm -hmm. have to allow them to make their mistakes one thing that we learned in, in that arena is if you can take them out of state to on a missions trip and help them see what others are going through, they will come back a little more blessed and ready to help, you know, move mm -hmm. America, help uh, humanity move forward. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you've taken them where to at, to um... Where do you guys usually we've, go to? we've been to Nicaragua three times, okay. um, and that was amazing and eye-opening. Um, we're planning on trying to do something uh, in the Navajo area or West Virginia. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, just whatever opportunities come to us that, you know, God's going to provide for us. Amen. Well, gentlemen, this has been incredible.
um, way exceeded my expectation. I'm so glad I did this together. <laughs> There's so many connections and intersections between your lives and your stories and you are key leaders. And so I really appreciate, we from Lost to Life Ministries really appreciate, first of all, you Lars for being on the board and saying yes to the opportunity to be interviewed. Um, and then Timothy, you know, you came up kind of naturally as we were thinking about, you know, who, who do we know? <laughs> and then to really be able to say, Timothy, Timothy's got a great story, but it's just uh, indicative of, you know, the opportunity to really remember that the young people are our future, whether we like it or not. And so the work that you both are doing and how you're raising, and uh, Timothy, I know that you're not raising um, uh, Jeremy by yourself, but you have a village, like you have I a sure village do. of families and friends that, you know, are surrogate parents and mentors um, to him, just as your mentors to their children. And so um, it is really, really important for us to speak to Black men who get it and who are raising other Black men to understand who they are, their own identity, but then also what their responsibility is to themselves, to their families, um, you know, and just as citizens of this country that we're in. God, thank you for Timothy, Lars, and their ministries to the youth in their care and their families. We thank you for and ask you to continue to encourage and strengthen them as they parent and mentor boys and young men, as they grow into the men you have created them to be. Lord, help each person, child, parent, sibling, counselor, social workers, lawyers, and others who impact the child welfare system, help them know that they can live a fulfilled life and that they can journey from loss to life by leaning and depending on you always. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. From loss to life. If you or someone in your family is fostering or thinking about adopting or becoming a foster parent, there is a comprehensive child welfare information gateway website that includes helpful information. Log on to www.childwelfare.gov to learn more. For additional information about Dr. Lars Rasko's organization, Boys to Men, please check out his website at www boys2men.org. That's www.boisiimen.org. And if you would like to be encouraged through more stories of people journeying from loss to life, please check out our website at www.fromloss2life.org. On our website, our Facebook page, and YouTube channel, you will be encouraged by various stories and messages to encourage you on your journey.